Psalm 73. In your Bibles there, Psalm 73. And try to get through this chapter here and see what God has for us. In a message I've titled, Slipping Away from God. Slipping Away from God. Now, this psalm is not a psalm of David. This is a psalm of Asaph, who was a musician there in Israel. And this psalm is a confession, but it's also an encouragement, as I've seen. In the first two verses that we read previously, he says, Truly, God is good to Israel. Right? God is good to everybody, right? But he's speaking in a time when he's in Israel, and he's saying God is good to Israel. He, he knew the history of Israel, God cho- choosing Israel, bringing Israel out of um, Egypt and bringing them into the promised land and, and just blessing them over and over again. And he says, even to such as are of a clean heart. But in verse 2, he gives a little confessional. He said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Now, praise the Lord, we are out of winter, right? And we don't have as much uh, ice around that I've seen lately. But I can tell you multiple times this winter, I did slip. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I, I had well nigh slipped many times, but I actually slipped. And uh, one time in particular, I was holding my dear child, uh, under two years old, I was walking her through a parking lot, Olivia, and we both slipped. I was holding her, and my feet went out from under me, and I had to do one of those protect Olivia and just take the hit right on my back, and it was brutal. And I was like, ah, oh. and there was people around, and they were like, are you okay? Is the baby okay? Olivia's crying because she's just shocked. But man, that was a, that was a slip. And uh, another slip I witnessed, uh, it was actually, my mom will probably listen to this later, it's Mother's Day, but I I actually saw my mother slip on the ice. She was coming a little bit uh, behind me this winter when we were out, and uh, we got to the car, and she kind of came around the corner, and bam, right on her back, too. I'm like, ah, you okay? But man, you know that feeling when you're on the ice, and like, you know it's slippery, right? You're trying to be careful, right? But sometimes you take a step and it just, it's not quite stable, right? And here's Asaph. He says, I almost slipped. I almost slipped. I well nigh slipped. I was very close to slipping. We're going to go through this chapter here and look at some different places where we ought to be, where we, not, where we shouldn't be. Uh, So we're going to look, number one, at a slippery place. Number two, we're going to look at the sacred place. And then number three, we're going to look at a secure place. And I hope this is a help for us all today as we look through this and this Mother's Day. Pray that this is a challenge to all of us and a blessing and encouragement from the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth here in Psalm 73. Thank you for Asaph. And all of his psalms that he writ, wrote um, here under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you'd help us today as we look at this psalm and, 
and, and kind of get an understanding of where he was at. And Father, I pray that you would apply it to our hearts and our lives today. Help us to understand where we need to be in our lives. Help us to avoid these slippery places. Help us to be in the secure place near you, God. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, number one, I said we're going to look at the slippery place. He says, I wet my steps, had well nigh slipped. Verse three, why? He says, for I was envious at the foolish. The first, part, the first place that's a slippery place is when you're envying the wicked. When we're looking at the things that are wrong in this world and we say, hey, we, I wish we had that. Look at how well they're doing over there. They have this, that, and this, this other thing, and I got none of that. I wish I had that. When we are envying the wicked, you're in a slippery place. You're in a slippery slope that's going to lead you to a place that's not good. And he says, I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, he saw that they were prospering. He saw that they were strong in verse 4. It says, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. He saw the wicked, he saw these other people prospering, and he said, man, they have so much strength, they have so much blessing, they have all these things, it looks like they're prospering. And he was envying them. The wicked may seem to prosper here on earth, but we'll find out later that that's not the case. It seems that there's no consequences. It seems that they are at full strength. And Asaph was saying, I envy them. In verse number five, it says, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. This wicked, this wicked nation, this, this wicked world that he was viewing, he saw all these things and he said they're just puffed up in pride. It seems like they're so successful. They're letting everybody know about it, Right? He says, violence covereth them as a garment. And when I hear these things, it reminds me so much of what we see around in our world today. A pride that nothing, nothing is going to uh, go wrong. A pride and a boasting of how successful and how flamboyant we can be. It's on every street corner. It's on every television, on every news station. You can see it. The wicked seem to prosper. The wicked seem to get away with things and have no consequences. And sometimes you can take a look around and you can say, man, I wish I had some of that. I wish, I was, I wish my life wasn't so restricted. And you can envy the wicked. We see all around us um, sexual immorality is advertised and paraded around. It's, it, it's something to take pride in, the wickedness of the world. But that's a slippery place for us to look on that and envy. There's violence in the land, whether it's rioting, whether it's uh, murder, whether it's whatever is going on all around us. Just like Asaph, he says, violence covereth them as a garment. It's all around us and all over us. Look at verse number seven. He says, their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than their heart could wish. 
overabundance and this flamboyance. I know I see it all the time. And Asaph is looking around and he says, my, my steps had well nigh slipped because I was envying these people. I was envying them. But not only that, he started to listen to the wicked. So it's one thing to, to have your eyes on the wicked and to envy them and to wonder, man, why are they getting rid of this? But then look at the next several verses here, 8 through 11. It talks about how the wicked are promoting what they're, what they're going through in, in, in their speech and in their mouths. Verse number 8 says, They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. Verse number 9, They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the, through the earth, Right? So now we have the wicked that are living this lifestyle that's, that's obviously wicked. There's pride, there's violence, there's this exuberance, there's this um, loftiness. But then it's being communicated. It's being communicated. There's an intention behind this. There's a, there's a, there's a purpose. Hey, we want to spread this throughout the entire world. That's what Asaph was saying hundreds, thousands of years ago. I don't know, but I see that all, all over. Radio, TV, advertisements. It's trying to be communicated to us. A slippery place is a place where you're envying the wicked. A slippery place is also when you're listening to the wicked. When you're partaking and, and just absorbing the words and the, the promulgation of what the wicked has. They seek to corrupt, they seek to oppress, they seek to um, promote everything that they have and spread it. The Bible says in verse 9, it says, And their tongue walketh through the earth. It's going everywhere. Their speech is against the things of God. Their speech is um, a mocking God. Look at verse number 11. And they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the most high? The wicked mock our God. The, the wicked mock the things that, they're, that they think they're getting away with. God doesn't know. Does God really know? Is there knowledge in the most high, they say? Be careful, Christian. Be careful, person. Who you're listening to. Because a slippery place starts when you begin to envy the wicked. It continues when you begin to listen to the wicked. And then it ends up with you doubting with the wicked. Look at the next several verses. When we envy, we have our eyes on it. We begin to listen. We begin to, we begin to question our own God and our own faith. Look at verse 12, Asaph is getting here. He says, behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, he says. Asaph is getting to the point where he's doubting the value of, of him living righteously. I'm, I'm living this way. I'm trying to live for God, he says, in vain. May we never doubt the value of living and obeying God. But that's the slippery place that he was at. He had his eyes on the wicked. He had his ear toward the wicked. 
And then he said, hey, maybe this isn't worth it. Maybe living for God isn't worth it. He began to doubt himself. He says, for all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. It was paining him. It began to, to affect him. He said, man, this is not worth it. The Christian, this, this life that I'm living is a burden to me now, right? And so often Christians can get in that same, that same feeling where we feel like living for God, coming to church, reading our Bibles, doing what's right, trying to follow God. This is just too much of a burden. It's plaguing me. Everybody else is living the way they want to live, and they're getting away with it. Why am I going through all this? That was Asaph, a man of God, doubting himself, doubting God. Why? Because he said, I, I had well nigh slipped, because I was envying the wicked. I was listening to the wicked. And he began to start doubting God. He says in verse 15, if I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. He was beginning to think himself that, what am I going to teach the next generation? If this is how I'm feeling, I'm not going to teach the next generation to live for God. So it was getting to this point where the wicked and his envying of the wicked and his listening to the wicked had corrupted him so much to the point where he's saying, man, what is the point of this? What is the use of this, following God? Is there, is there any purpose here? But praise the Lord, Asaph got out of this slippery place. And he says in verse number 16, he says, When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Where did he go? He went to the sanctuary of God. Wherever that was for him, it was probably the temple. It was probably somewhere that was sacred to him, where he could get with God. You say, why was he slipping? Because he was, he was away from God. He said in the very beginning, he knew that God was good to Israel. And he knew that God was good to those that are of a clean heart. So what happened? Why was he slipping? Because he was away from God. He was away from God, and then when he gets back in tune with God, he goes back to the sanctuary of God, the sacred place. Then he gets understanding. Then he gets understanding. I thank the Lord for the churches that I was brought to on a bus I thank the Lord for the Sunday school teachers that taught me the word of God. I thank the Lord for Sunday school teachers encouraging me to read the word of God so that I could take the word of God at home and read it myself. Those are sacred places, sacred times when you're fellowshipping with God in his word, singing, worshiping the Lord. You know why? Because it gives us understanding. It gives us understanding. This sacred place is a place with God. It doesn't necessarily mean it has to be at the church house. It can be at your house. And that should be an encouragement to all of us to make our house a sacred place of God. And it's not just on mothers. It is Mother's Day. And we pray that all of our mothers would be 
helping to strengthen our homes and encourage our homes to be a sacred place, a, a sanctuary for our children to be raised in, a homes that are glorifying and lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ? Why? So that your children can have a place. And it's not just on Sunday. This is one day a week. But every day where they know that Christ is lifted up, that they can strengthen and grow in their understanding. We don't want our homes to be places of the devil where the devil is devouring them and the devil is speaking to them. And your home becomes that slippery place where your children are just being devoured by the things of this world and being consumed by the things of the world and and then hoping that on Sunday they can catch back up and get some understanding. No. We need our homes to be that sacred place. We need our homes, our mothers and our fathers to be preparing the home so that it's an environment, it's a sanctuary for our children to to know and to grow with God. Asaph found this place and he says, man, then I understood their end. Now I understand that everything that I was thinking before was wrong. And praise the Lord. I know I've been there. Where you get to the point, it's that eureka moment, right? Where whatever sin it is in your life, or maybe it's some way that you were thinking, and you get to a point and you're like, God just reveals it to you, and that light bulb goes off, and you say, you know what? Everything that I thought about that was dead wrong. And the Bible says it clear as day right here what I should be doing. And those moments in our lives only happen when we're reading the scriptures, when we're understanding the scriptures. Those things don't happen when you're out living in the world. They don't happen. But as we come to these places where we have time to fellowship with God, where we have time to fellowship with the word of God, fellowship with the people of God, you know what happens? We gain understanding. The spirit of God says, yeah, you (laughs) you were thinking all wrong there. Here's what you need to do. Asaph was thinking, man, the the wicked are prospering. But then he learned something completely different. He says, then I understood their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. You see, he's thinking he's in this slippery place, but then he, he understands. He says, no, no, no. When I'm with God... I'm not in a slippery place. The wicked are in a slippery place. And he says, thou castest them down into destruction. That's where the slippery place leads. I got to tell you this story really quick. This is a, a very slippery place. There was a, there was a particular path that we had to walk in, in college that got us down to our, from the dorms down to the, Dining hall, right? This was a very well-worn path. You had to get to the dining hall to eat, right? But there was a shortcut to get to the dining hall that was down a very steep hill. And the only other way was taking the, the, the road, and it had a sidewalk, and it was this big, long, winding path. It was like an extra 10 minutes to take that path. So everybody took the shortcut. It was a little steep. You know, you had to kind of hike it up there. There was trees and branches and stuff that you could get to. 
there was one particular meeting that I had to go to. It wasn't to the dining hall. It was to a separate meeting that I had to go to, and I was running a little bit late. And I was like, I got to get there quick. I can't go around. I got to go down the steep path to get there quicker. The problem was it was a complete downpour. And as I got up to the edge of that steep hill, I could see just a river of rainwater flowing down there. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to get here. There's some branches. I'll probably be okay. I'm, I'm nimble. I'm quick. I can try to navigate this. It was steep, mind you. So I'm like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead. I'm going to try this. I was the first one there. No one was around me. I'm going to try to get down this, take a couple steps, and then guess what happened? Slip. But I'm still on my feet. So my first step slips. Now, I, now I'm just in a dead sprint right, right away. So I'm, I'm sprinting down this steep hill. I can't stop myself. Water underneath my feet. I stay up all the way. But then once I got to the bottom of the hill, it went from steep to, to straight, right? So I got all this momentum going straight down, and now I got to try to navigate and get straight up. Guess what happened? Whew, baseball slide right out into the middle of the road. Praise the Lord, there was no cars coming right at that same time, or I, I would have just, I had no way to stop. I did a complete baseball slide off that curb into the street, burnt up my whole arm. I had dress clothes on and burnt up my whole, my belt got ripped. I had all kinds of blood coming down, and uh, whoo, that was a that was a, that was the slipperiest place I ever been on, and I and I made it there on time, and I had to explain, hey, why are you all bruised up and why are you all dirty? I'm like, hey, you know that path? <laughs> I sprinted down the path, baseball slide, tell them the whole story, and they're like, okay, that makes sense. But that's what happens, and the same thing happens when you're out on ice, right? You try to catch yourself, but if, if you're on a slippery place for too long, you're going down. You're going down. And that's what Asaph learned. He said these people that he thought he was in a slippery place because he was envying the wicked, but at the end of the day, it, it's the wicked. The wicked are not in a secure place. It may look like it now, but it's not going to last Unless they get a hold of God, unless God gives them light to get them off of that place, they're going to destruction. And we should not be confused about that. We should not be envious of the wicked because it seems like they're prospering. Because their soul is not prospering. Their soul is not prospering. Verse number 19, he says, How are they brought into desolation in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. That was me going down that hill. Right when my foot slipped, I was in instant terror. I knew that there was no stopping this. There was no way I was stopping it once I was going down that hill. It was going to be bad one way or the other. As a dream when one waketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. God knows. God knows. The wicked say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Does God know what's going on here? Because seems things to be going well for me. Oh, no, God does know. God knows exactly what the wicked are doing. And God's keeping good record. And there will be judgment. 
There will be judgment. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to be envious of, of the wicked. We need to just trust in God. The sacred place gave Asaph a new understanding that there is judgment for the wicked. There is blessing with the Lord. We'll end here in the secure place. The end of the chapter, Asaph begins to speak of this place of security with God. This place that is so secure. He says in verse 22, he says, So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. He, he comes clean. I was ignorant. I was wrong. It's a good place to be. Human, humble. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. That's the secure place. Continually with God. Not just here on Sunday, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of the week and every day of our life. Continually. Not just in the morning, in the, in the afternoon, in the evening. Continually with God. What happens when we say, oh, you know, man, I'm doing good. I've been following God. I've been, I've been trusting in God. I'm doing well. And then we take our... And then we take a little break from God and we say, we're doing good, right? And guess, guess what's happening? You're, you're on that slippery place again. <laughs> you're right back on that slippery place. It doesn't look so slippery at first, but that's where you're going. We need to be with God continually. He says, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. God wants to hold our hand and walk us through this life. I was walking, uh, went to the, the Twins game yesterday with uh, our good friend Eric Wong, and I, we took Kenneth, and we had to exit the stadium and kind of walk our way over to meet where Shea was going to pick us up, and I had Kenneth holding my hand. You know what happens with Kenneth not roll, holding your hand? He's gone. So I'm, hold, he, I'm like, Kenneth, hold my hand. Do not let go of my hand. There's people everywhere. Hold my hand. So he's holding my hand. He's doing good. But it reminded me of this next verse here. The next verse says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. You see, God wants us to hold to his hand. God wants us to be with him all the time. God wants us to follow his lead, right? So I'm taking Kenneth. He's holding my hand. We're walking the same direction. But guess what he's doing? He's holding my hand. But he's looking all the way around, doing all, doing all this. He's not looking where I'm going. He's doing his thing. Next thing I know, I, I, I feel like a little jerk, and I hear like a, ow! <laughs> Kenneth wasn't watching where he was going. He was following me, holding my hand, but he ran right into a pole. <laughs> he ran right into these little walkway poles. He had some glasses on that kind of protected him a little bit. His glasses were too big. It kind of shielded him. But he wasn't, he wasn't looking. And I was like, man, what a, what a testimony right there. What, a, what an illustration uh, for the sermon today. Because that's how we, we, we like to say, yep, we're holding on, God, we're following you, but we're looking all around, doing, trying to do our own thing, seeing, trying, to, trying to view all the sights, see what everybody else is doing. No, we need to follow God, hold to his hand, and keep your eyes on God and where you're going. And kind of say, yeah, I should, I should, I should, yeah, I should do that. I should, I should watch where I'm going. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's a good idea. Let's watch where we're going. Let's follow God. Let's hold to his hand. Let him guide you with what? With his counsel. He said, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, with the word of God, with what God has to say to us. Listen to his counsel. 
He has things to say to us that are going to help guide us and keep us in a secure place. Just let God lead you. Let God lead you. And we'll be okay. Let God have the preeminence in our lives. He says in verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but thee? There is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. Now that's a whole different thing, right? There's following God, there's holding to his hand, there's, there's, there's kind of, you know, just following the path, but this is a desire. This is a preeminence. This is, a, this is putting God just completely first. Saying, I desire to be with you. There's none in heaven that we should want but our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's none upon earth that we desire but thee. Asaph had it exactly right. He was wrong, and he said, you know what? I just need to find this, find this new place that's secure, and it's with God. And it's with God at the forefront of our life, leading us, being our desire. Let God be your strength. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart faileth. Isn't that true? Our flesh and our heart fails over and over again. Try as we might, we fail. We try to put on the best guards, the best plans to do what's right, but we fail because we're weak. But God says, just be with me. And Asaph says it again, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Don't rely on yourself. Don't rely on your plans. Don't rely on these things. They're good things. They're good things. They help us. But understand that God is the strength. God is your portion. God is what's going to get you through. God is that, that sustaining, life-giving uh, substance to keep you going. We need to put God first. Let God lead. Let God be continually with us. Hold to his hand. Let him guide you. Stay near to God. Verse 27. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. It is good for me to draw near to God. He understands now. Asaph says, I, I well nigh slipped because I had my eyes on the wrong thing. I had my thinking all wrong. But now he understands. Now he understands that those that are far from God are going to perish. Those that have slipped off into, <laughs> into sin, into wickedness, they're going to destruction. Those that are far from God, he says, are going to perish and they're going to be destroyed. But he says, for me, I know that it's good to draw near to God. To be drawing nearer and nearer every day. What does that take? That takes faithfulness. That takes getting into the word. That takes um, just, just doing what's right and knowing that God is there and trusting in God. 
I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Finally, we need to trust in God and share. Trust in God and share. Just as we saw in the first portion of this scripture, the wicked are wicked and they have an agenda. And they're trying to share that agenda with you and with everybody they can. And God says, I have a completely opposite agenda. It's not to live for yourself. It's to live for others. It's not to love yourself. It's to love God and others. And he says, just like Asaph here, trust in the Lord and declare his works. As Christians, that's where we should be. Trusting in the Lord and declaring his works. Do our friends know about Christ? Do our neighbors, do our coworkers? Does anybody know that you're a Christian? It's good for us to draw nigh to God. It's good for us to trust in God. It's good for us to share what God has for us. Now, for parents, for me, it's a, it's a, it's a conviction for me because it's important for us, mothers, fathers, to pass on these truths to, the, to our children and to, and to everybody, to the children that are on our bus routes, to the families that we communicate out in the community. It's important. Why? Because on a daily basis, the devil is seeking to devour your mind, your heart, your spirit, everything about you, and have you going away from God. And those that may have known the truth, maybe those that have, 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 had, had, uh, have known God at some point in their life, just like Asaph in the beginning of this chapter, he knew that God was good. He says it. He says God is good to Israel, and he knows that he's good to those that live right. But he says, I almost slipped. He almost slipped because there's an agenda out there that's trying to get your attention. There's a prospering wickedness out there, right? There's a promotion of their wickedness. And they're trying to get you to doubt. They're trying to make you question what you believe. Hey, come over here. It's not worth it to live righteously. Look at us. We're living it up. We're doing just fine. And if you're not careful, <laughs> if I'm not careful, you're going to be slipping right down with them. But God says to Asaph, come to, come to know, know what's right. Come to a good place and hear the word of God and understand the truth. And then stay by me. Stay. Stay near God and draw nearer and nearer every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth here. Thank you for this testimony from Asaph that this shares with us his heart, how he knew and had a relationship with God, but understood that he was beginning to slip and had almost slipped because of what he was seeing and hearing. And Father, it made him question. It made him even doubt what was right. But Father, thank you for the testimony that he was able to understand the truth. Father, I pray that you would help us to just be in tune with your spirit of God that you have promised would lead us and guide us into truth. Father, I pray that you would just give us a new understanding. 
Pray that you would help us to make our home sacred places for our children to be raised up in. I pray that you would help us to be faithful stewards of your word, to be communicating these truths. Help us to stay near to you, Father. Help us to allow you to lead us in our lives, Father. Help us to put you in your rightful place, which is first in our lives. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. I pray that if there's anybody here today that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that they would take that first step of faith in giving themselves to the Lord and saying, I am a sinner, and I humble myself now and come before you, Lord Jesus, and ask you to save me. And the Bible tells us that he is willing to save all those that come to him in simple faith and obedience. Father, I pray that you would speak to us all now as we go our separate ways. I pray that you would help these truths to stay with us and help us to be proclaiming and sharing the goodness of God wherever we are. We thank you also for faithful mothers that have guided us and leaded us and kept our homes a sanctuary. Father, I pray that you would continue and strengthen mothers and families to continue on and fight the good fight of faith. Father, we thank you for your goodness and grace today. I pray that you would bless us all as we go. In Jesus' name, amen.